0: Welcome back, everybody, to the very first episode of the year 2020. This episode actually wasn't even wasn't even planned. It was more of an impromptu thing, me thinking about it. I did the last episode on the 28th of December, so right before New Year's, and uh, we're going to talk about some n- stuff for the new year of 2022 in regards to the podcast, myself personally, Uh, but I'd like to take this time to thank everybody for your part in 2021 in regards to the just seven Center podcast. I've said it numerous times. I, when I decided to do this podcast, I figured it wouldn't be, it wouldn't last longer than, I mean, I kind of had the idea. I wanted it to, I'm at least going to try it for a year, 12 months and then decide if it was worth it, decided if it was popular, decide everything. So kind of that whole self-doubt situation. You guys kicked ass. You kicked ass the first year, and you you kicked much ass in uh, 2021. So actually, February marks two years. Around, I can't remember exactly the date. It was like February... 17th or something like that uh 17th or 18th that that was my first episode and it was like right before the the kung flu shit and so really this podcast has only known the world of covid so i can't wait for it to for covid and everything to be a, a distant unfond memory but here we are um, we're going to talk about some more of that stuff later, but one thing I wanted to get out first was I realized in the last podcast, the gear for new shooters broker baller, one pivotal piece of equipment that I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's two. The one that I had originally remembered that I did not cover was bipods. So I want to hit that before we go on to the rest of the episode. For bipods, the budget side, the absolute bare bones minimum, bare bones minimum, is going to be a Harris 6-9 with a podlock. There's absolutely zero need to have one without a podlock, period. And they don't come with podlocks. But you they're there. You can buy them, you break it down, uh take like the little stud bolt that goes through the the apex, pull that out, put a pod lock in, play with it. Uh and then also I would highly suggest getting the really right stuff amount. Basically, it can go to Picatinny or Arca, okay? So I have At this juncture, I only have one rifle that does not have either ARCA or bare minimum Picatinny. That is my three-in-a-win mag. It just has a swivel stud for a sling. And, of course, the only bipod I had to work on, that is a Harris. So I have one of those on that one. When I am shooting prone, I really only shoot prone with that rifle for zeroing, Gathering dope, and then it goes into the woods with me if I decide I want to take a 3 and a wind mag with me. Everything else, every other rifle I have, has either a Picatinny uh, rail at the bottom, or it has a full-length Arca Swiss uh, rail. And that really right stuff mount can go to either. And I have one on literally every other bipod I have. Um, now I will say this, that is the bare minimum. A lot of the top guys in the country shooting, they still run Harris simply because there, there is no locking feature of the legs stowing or deploying, right? That can be a positive. That can also be a downfall because I have in using one and I, I have one and I, and I, I keep one, for certain situations whether it be super quick deploy or if something I'm shooting prone off of it has a very narrow width of what of which my bipod can the feet can be on right so the 6 and 9 Harris the feet are probably the closest together you're going to get unless you go with the MDT SkyPod that you can then also change the width of the legs, which we'll get to that one as well. So if I'm say I'm shooting off of a picnic bench seat, which we do a lot of times that frontline defense is one of the stages you shoot off the top and you shoot off the seats. A lot of guys just run bag on them, but if you run into something like a Harris, you can run prone on that seat. But I've been bit because I didn't think about it with a uh, Atlas Cal Gen 2 I had It has a very wide base and I'd have one leg on and one leg would hang off. So I ended up not doing well on the stage because, well, I didn't take the right. I only had a rear bag with me. So that was a nightmare in itself. And that that is when I decided I'm going to have a Harris in my pack. It's not going to be my primary bipod that I use if it's going to be a prone stage. But if it's something like that, it's there in my pack and I've got it now. I've had every Atlas there is. They are great bipods. The BT10 is probably the is the next level up from the Harris and yeah, we'll just go we'll go with that. It's the next level up from the Harris. You know, it's the only problem with the BT10s is the panning feature. I don't like a panning feature because I'm never needing to pan. If you're panning with the bipod, then that means your natural point of aim is going to be incorrect because I need those bipod legs square with my shoulders, which my shoulders are then square with my hips. And uh, if you can't do that if you are, say, panning 15 to 20 degrees to one side of the other. You just pick your rifle up and and move the whole rifle and then regain your natural point of aim now you can lock them out but they rarely ever stay locked out now there has been some tools some uh some widgets to help lock that uh, and it does help um but you go to the the cow and the gen 2 is the one you'd get now Uh, it is a for a prone bipod it is a wonderful bipod Um, that would be if you're going to do something like what i'm doing you can run the cow gen 2 uh, if it, you know it's going to be a, a prone stage, or you know or what you are going to be shooting off of is wide enough to cater to that stance of that bipod, I, I never measured it. Uh, I should have. I've never measured it to see how wide it is to then kind of measure I am shooting off of. After I got bit, I was like, "Fuck it! I am just going to I am going to put a Harris in here. If it's going to be questionable, I am putting the Harris on." Uh, but you know, you could do that route and get you a Harris and do that, or you can just do away with both of those and get the MDT bipod, um, which was originally the Skypod. They bought them, they bought it out, and it now is the MDT bipod. And they have detachable legs to make them long, you could multiple sections to make it really long. They had different feet, which all of these bipods have different feet you can change interchangeable feet, like a spike feet, a claw foot. Um, and then your normal rubber feet. I honestly, I've got spike feet for some bipods. I'd, I'd rarely use them. I normally just use rubber feet. Uh, now the, another one I've had is the Accutac, um, G four is the gen two is one that I had because I felt like the original Accutac was at the legs shortest, uh, setting, you know, 90 degree, but the legs are all the way in. It was still too tall for most like rear bags. Not if you're using like a game changer rear bag, but if you're using a dedicated rear bag, which I I prefer to use in a prone stage, it was almost, I could never get the back end of the rifle high enough for angled shots that I'm a little bit above. So example is being on a platform, and you've got targets from 200 out to a thousand. You know the the five, six, seven, eights to a thousand; those are no problem. But that 200 one, I'm I'm, a, I'm on a, a 12 foot tall platform. It's hard for me to get my back end of the rifle up so that I can get the angle on that target. So then they came out with the, the G, the just a 4 BR. Excuse me, not G4 BR4. That was perfect because the height was a lot shorter, but you had the adjustable legs. I love how quick deploying the legs were. Um they they were it, it's a good bipod. I now have the Thunder Beast bipod and I don't look back. The reason why I went with the Thunder Beast over the AccuTac, because the AcuTac was was perfect except for The deployment of, say, a stowed stowed bipod and then dropping them to 90 degrees, you have to literally pull the entire leg and it then, like, it's on some sort of a, I don't know how to explain the hinge, Uh, but you got to deploy the whole leg, you got to pull the whole leg to deploy it. Whereas the Thunder Beast is literally just fold them down like you do, there's nothing retaining them up really, other than a small detent that you pull through to deploy them like you do a Harris. Now, the only caveat to that is, which I, I prefer this, is that then stowing the legs from deployed, you've got to put a, press a button on the back of the leg. And it's um, that's no problem. I'd rather, because I'd rather lock out when I have it deployed, rather than it fold up on me if I'm moving from like modified prone to another modified prone position and getting the rifle settled and boom, you just push that, like you pull the rifle into you on a Harris, and it will then stow the legs. They're all just held by spring tension. You won't do this with a Thunder Beast. Um, I feel the Thunder Beast so far to me has been, is pretty much the perfect bipod. Um, I know a lot of people love their Harrises, and I understand why. I know a lot of people who love their MDT's because man, they're they're so versatile as far as how they deploy and everything. They, uh, they're they're a kick-ass bipod, and if I didn't get the Thunder Beast, I probably would have gotten an MDT bipod. But the Thunder Beast fit what I wanted best, and I I really love them, so I'm happy about that. They're all gonna range from different prices, but once you know, honestly, if it's a budget thing, if you trick out a Harris with everything that that is available out there between the feet, between the mount, between the pod lock, the bipod itself man, you're, you're knocking on the same price threshold as some of these better bipods. So um, the Elite Iron bipods, they are an over the barrel, halo style bipod. If you are literally just shooting prone, like if you're doing belly matches or you're just plinking um, and you know you're gonna be prone or off a bench modified prone to where you don't need that quick stowing in the legs and get out of the way type thing there isn't a better bipod to choose than the elite iron period in of story the next in line behind that in my opinion would be the atlas cal Gen Two. so there you go check them out you can google them all find out their prices uh you know like i said when you're getting into the harris if you just if you had uh, 150 bucks to spend or 100 Twenty bucks to spend on a bipod, then I would say a Harris with the podlock and the mount. Unless you just, unless your rifle doesn't have Picatinny or Arca, and you only have a swivel stud, well then there you go, it's set up for you already. Um, but bare minimum would be you have to have the podlock. I don't care anybody says you need that podlock, and then just for versatility on what rifle platform it can go on you go with the uh really right stuff mount that they have i don't remember really all of their product codes and names and everything but you'll you'll see it on their website um all right so also on the last episode oh forgot let me run back triggers now obviously now i'm I'm shooting solely a action national so i have two options the factory trigger and the uh, CG Jackson Extreme Trigger, the the comp trigger for AI. That's what I'm running with the proprietary Vision Just Epperson trigger shoe. I may add, thanks Christian. Uh, but if you're doing rims, I've had plenty of rims and 700 variants. Uh, if you're wanting a single stage, anyone's going to tell you to look at Trigger Tech, the Trigger Tech Diamond specifically. The Diamond is an amazing trigger, super user adjustable. You can get it as light as you want or just about as heavy as you want. If you're not needing to go super light and you also don't wanna spend that much money on a trigger, the Trigger Tech Special, I, that's what I actually ran on my uh, John Hancock rifle, my, the, my last match rifle that I sold. I, I loved it. The Trigger Tech Special did everything I needed it to do. It adjusted uh, light enough for what I want to do because I don't have these, you know, six ounce, eight ounce triggers. That's not what I run. And uh, it, it's a great trigger. I never had an issue with my trigger tech. Now, I've been told, and I've never experienced this, but this is what I'm told. I'm, I'm told that certain action manufacturers don't love the. I don't know if it's a timing issue or your engagement of some of the trigger techs. That list is probably short and few and far between, but it does exist. And I'm not going to start naming the actions, but if I know one in particular, they will, everybody from from team this action company None of them run trigger techs. They all run Bix and Andy Tac sport Pros. And Bix and Andy has a single or a two-stage trigger available in the Tax Sport line. Um, the Bix and Andy trigger is really cool that you have you can change out low standard and high sears, and you can time your action to where you j- might super smooth up your action cycle. By changing the sears on on those triggers, um, so and honestly, I've never heard. Uh, I don't believe I've heard a, a, an ill word about the Bix and Andy triggers, especially the Taxport Pros. Now, both of those those and the diamonds are very expensive. The Trigger Tech Special is more on the economical side. They also have a standard, which I've never fucked with, but I know some rifles are now shipping. Like they're they're built with the the uh, Trigger tech standards, I think that's what they are standard Remington 700, something along those lines. Um, and I, I I can't help but think that they do put pretty damn uh stringent testing on even those triggers because Trigger Tech cares. Uh, I know they have one issue with some of the coatings, uh, I believe, or, or something with the Sears, and I think they have straightened that up. Um, so if you're looking at buying a used one, see if you can find out how long ago it was that diamond was made. If it was somewhat within the last year, year and a half, I might would say, Hey, did you ever have any problems with this trigger? Because I know down that time frame, some of them had some issues. If they say no, you know no problem, feel uh feel comfortable and go with. It. If it's like, oh, this is a three-year-old trigger, then oh, it's it's definitely money. Um, or buying new. I know that this issue has been an issue. I can't help but think that TriggerTech, being the company that they are, you know, they took care of it. And, even, and if you've got a problem with one of these triggers, I promise you TriggerTech will take care of you if you call them. Um, I've had the ACZ Jackson, uh, what is it, the XT22, something on that's on Mod 22. Um, I still have the trigger. It's sitting in a drawer because I don't have a rifle for it to go on that i needed on but it's a two-stage trigger and i mean i love it it's a great two-stage trigger i know trigger tech also has a two-stage diamond which is great i'm a fan of two stages but i see the validity in and you i enjoy single stage as well um i'm not a one or the other type guy i like them both and and i can utilize them both uh for utica guys uh there is uh krg has a trigger Uh, trigger tech has a trigger I know that Timney has a trigger now I've had a couple of Timney's the Calvin elites and I didn't really like them they were really mushy and I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that trigger at all it worked properly I never had one let me down where it didn't work but I didn't enjoy the experience in using it so um, that's about all I got to say with triggers uh, if you're actually a national shooter, don't be scared of the comp trigger. I know they recently went up this this past year on price of them, but I'll tell you, I absolutely love that trigger. I love the durability and of of the factory trigger. I don't love the pull range, the weight pull range. I do enjoy very much so shooting this competition trigger, and. The problems that people had with that was people who made them into single-stage triggers. Yes, it says on the website you can do that, and you can. You are just more likely to run into an issue with the trigger. Do not fuck with the sear engagement. Unless you work for that company, do not fuck with that sear engagement. You need to only work on the pull weight first and or second stage and travel of first, maybe the second stage. So, do not fuck with seer engagement. I'm telling you right now, you're asking for a problem. You will have, possibly, have a slam fire. Um, You'll have one go off just if the uh, bolt ran too fast or you bumped the bottom of the... You don't want those problems. You don't want a catastrophic accident to happen or, bare minimum, you don't want a stage or a match DQ, Okay. So do not fuck with sear engagement, and you should be just fine. Everybody who has felt my trigger is like, oh, my God, that's light for a a two-stage trigger, but it feels great. It's because it does. It's a very crisp trigger. It is not a dangerous trigger. It's a two-stage. I think if you DQ yourself from having a negligent discharge on a two-stage trigger, you, you got bigger problems than getting DQ'd. You need some serious work on your trigger control. All right, I'm done with equipment. Uh, let's see. Goals, I I hate, I hate, New Year's resolutions. They never stick. I've done them, and they don't ever stick. So this these are not New Year's resolution resolutions. These are just goals that I'm putting forth in front of myself. I don't know how really it differs from a New Year's resolution, but it's not because, okay, it is a new year, no me. No. No, I'm still the same asshole as I'm always am. Um, and these are just things that I know I want to get done in a year. Um it's, it's, there's not even really real specific things. It's it's I I want to grow the podcast. And that's gonna comprise of many different things, and that is gonna be having more guests in person i think that that completely changes the dynamic of a a, an interview a conversation if you're not worried about first of all if the person sitting there across from you second of all of not having to worry about connection issues the inevitable delay if say i'm saying in the middle of a sentence and my guest pipes up or says something or makes a noise and it then cuts out the audio of what I'm saying or vice versa, it's a, it's a necessary evil. It sucks. But I mean, I'm also not Joe Rogan to where I can just fly all these people into, you know, my house and I would love to, I wish I could. Let me hit the lotto. That's what I'm doing. Um, but I'm not there. I, I can't do that. And I don't know many people doing precision rifle podcast that can, I, I dare say no one. But I am going to try my best to do more in-person interviews because I think that is a lot more enjoyable for you as the end listener to have that um, situation. And it's uh, it's obviously more fun for me to do as well. Um, Now, one thing I am going to announce that I literally 15, 20 minutes ago before starting this podcast that I learned... Which is going to be awesome, really excited about, and I uh, don't have any details on. But, Frank Galley on The Everyday Sniper just announced on his episode that he released yesterday. Um, there, He's been working on having a snipers, ha- a sniper's Hide app, right? For, you know, just for the forum. And I'm actually on a list of beta testers, and that... that came about, like, early, early fall, late summer of last year. Now, we haven't done anything yet because it's not ready for the beta testers, but it seems that it is getting very close. But Frank has been fucking with the app, and he he was talking about it uh, a little bit on his latest episode. It's going to be fucking awesome. Anybody who's on Sniper's Hide, if you're on it via your phone, this is going to be So awesome. I can't wait. And there's not it's not just gonna be the forum picked up and moved to an app, which in reality, if it was just that, it would still be badass because you're not worried about browsers and you have all your preferences in an app. And I just think it would be kick ass if it was if it was just that, it'd be awesome. But there's gonna be so much more, you know, that he is adding to the app that doesn't exist right now like it doesn't exist for snipers hide doesn't exist for anybody one of those things is he just mentioned i had no no idea until i listened to it today he's actually going to have i think he said 10 channels by that i think he's he's talking about like almost like a tv channel right where you can go on the app and watch One of however many pieces of content, whether it be video, whether it be, I don't know, just audio. I have no idea. Live stuff. I know he's been doing live podcasts via this app. That's going to be awesome as well. And I don't know if that, the live feature, is going to be for these channels. But I messaged uh, Frank, like I said, half an hour ago. And basically told him, look listed episode first of all you sound great you sound energetic you sound super boosted about what you got going on and uh you know i just want to talk to you about what you mentioned about the app and i didn't know if you would be interested in having a just and send it channel on the app uh you know let me know what you think about it and uh, i'll talk at you then basically and then I got a message back, and he was like, "Absolutely, that would be a kick-ass channel. Let's do it." So, I don't really know what it's gonna entail, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best, give it my uh, the, old, uh, effort, the old college effort, old college try. Uh, I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know if it's gonna be video only. If it is, then that's what we're doing. And this, as if you remember episodes ago i have no idea when i mentioned it how i was mulling around the idea of a youtube channel but i just fucking hate youtube as a corporation and i will not have anybody tell me what i can and can't say or do in my content you know it's not happening if i had sponsors for this show like if freaking tractor supply wanted to sponsor my show, which would never happen. It would be in my contract that you are sponsoring the show because you like the style of my show and the content I have, and you have no say so outside of the realm of what I say about Tractor Supply of what goes on my show and and what content I have. I will not be like, oh, I can't say that because I'm worried about my sponsors. No, then fuck sponsors. If that's what it came to, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna do me. And if you don't, if you don't want to fuck with me, and you like, you don't like my content, and my opinions, then we don't have a relationship anymore. That's the way it would be with any sponsor. And also that goes to YouTube. That's the only reason why I haven't done. Also because I don't have, I don't have a fucking edit video. I, I know nothing about editing shit. Obviously, if you've listened to my podcast, you will be able to tell. So, But regardless, this is something I could definitely get behind. This will be, I, I mean, it'll be what you want it to be. It'll be whomever's doing it. Me or whether it be the modern day sniper guys or who, David Tubb. That, man, that would be awesome if fucking David Tubb had a channel where he went over some shit that he's cooking up. Man, I would love that. Um, Any any of that you can do what you want to do and I know Frank is like ah you can't say that he's not gonna do that and Because that's what Sniper's Hide is kind of all about And I'm just really excited about it. I'm just learning. You're learning about it Not a half hour after I learned about what that is happening So I don't know when it'll be we still haven't even beta tested the app yet I'm, I'm equally excited about that as I am about doing the show or whatever it's going to be. Um, that's gonna be really cool. This is along the lines of what I'm talking about as far as the year 2022 wanting to grow. And you know, 2021 did more growing than I had ever anticipated. And I just want to keep that same, uh, I want to keep that same energy. I want to, I want to the same situation to happen where every year it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that would be awesome. I mean, you know it's coming from passion if I'm not making a penny on this and I'm only spending money on it. If any money gets spent one way or the other either to me or from me on this podcast, it's always been from me. So um, not that I wouldn't, monetize this podcast, but I'm also not letting my content and, and myself be hampered in the name of making money. Cause I don't give a shit. This is not how I feed my son and feed my wife. So I have a career. Um, all right. That's, I, I think that's pretty good on what I'm wanting to do. I basically comes down to, to grow the podcast. I want to get more interviews in, in-person interviews, go to different matches do uh, cook up all kinds of new ideas that people haven't really done in the precision rifle podcast realm. Um, also, okay, so moving on. My rifle is currently sitting at GCP Rifle Company down in in North Venice, Florida. We're waiting on one are two shipments to get here from Norway and my rifle I I dare say I don't want to spill the beans on everything that's going into it all I'm gonna say is it's probably gonna be the baddest accuracy international on the planet yeah short action at least as far as like what goes into the rifle whether it be function and aesthetics I I don't know. There's a couple that I will be real close that I've seen, but Yeah, I'll let y'all be the judge. I think it's gonna be the most kick-ass AI on the planet Um, Pretty excited about that. I should be getting it back. Where are we at the 10th? I bet it'd be the end of the month or first week of February and I'll get it back and so what I'll do is uh, when I do I'll post picture or a video or whatever on the Sniper's Hide thread and for you, those of you that aren't on Sniper's Hide, which also I would call wrong because you need to be on Sniper's Hide if you're in this in this realm, this industry, uh, what I'll do is I will do a podcast and I will make the thumbnail photo for that podcast like I used to do. I will make the rifle, the thumbnail, you can probably blow it up, look at it, whatever. Um, those would be the only two ways. And, and you know, like I said, on Sniper's High, it'll be there. Um, I'm really excited about it. So, with that said, though, my Tika right now is in a place that I never thought that Tika would be in, which is, like, in the queue to probably shoot a match. So, not sure if I'm shooting it yet. More than likely, it will. going to be kind of, like, weather-dependent or whatever. You no know, one day up in, um... It's a VPRC match that are now held at Pig River. So Andy Slade and Brian Lewis, they are VPRC uh, match directors. They're going to be directing that match. The Tika is feeling pretty damn sweet in its current form. So obviously the AI is down in Florida. I took everything off of it that doesn't require isn't required to be with it and getting done what's getting done. I have all of my weights. Uh, I have thumb rest and I even remembered that I had some uh, stainless steel butt spacer weights for my old Whiskey 3 that I had I still had them, so I sold the chassis but I didn't sell the weights and I, I was like, oh shit, I still got those weights so I went in the drawer, dug them out, found them threw them on the rifle and with the medium palm of barrel that's on it, the 6 more and the suppressor, of the weights I've got the Minox on it right now it's in pretty fucking spectacular match shape right now. It feels great shooting it positional, shooting it prone. And it's lightweight too, but it's balanced correctly. It feels amazing. And with the suppressor on the 6 Creedmoor, it doesn't have that snappy recoil impulse, it has more of that soft, elongated push. It's not like someone like Judy chopping you in the shoulder pocket. It's more of someone putting their hand on you and kind of nudging you. That's what it feels like. It's more of like a nudge. And it feels great. And I'm pretty excited about the possibility of shooting a match with it. Because this. when I built this bitch, I was like, this is a hunting rifle. I have no desire to shoot a match with this rifle. And here we are. Since I sold my John Hancock... Uh, and if I don't have my AI, then it's right now my only option. And I didn't think it was going to be a very good option until I threw the Minox on it and got the Vision uh, G Bravo front end, uh, the fore-end section that they offer now. You go to GCP Rifle Rifles.com. Just Google it. I can't remember exactly the website for Rick. And uh, give him a call. Or look on the website. This thing feels like a dedicated match rifle now, And it would literally take me about 50 seconds to get it back to where I would feel comfortable rucking this thing in like a mammoth style match if I were to ever do that. Or take it hunting. Like packing it out. Walking miles with it. Period. Like it feels that good. and And that fast can go from you know, match formation to a hunting rifle. Um, it's not really the ideal scope for a hunting rifle, for sure. I mean, it's a long Minox ZP-5, and they're not very light. But I will say that the glass in that Minox, for a low light, I have purposely gone outside with that rifle, with that scope on it, and I was pretty impressed and amazed with how bright things were that late in the evening. Um, definitely past legal shooting light. Whatever legal shooting light was, whatever that time was, it was past that. And I would feel comfortable shooting and in those lighting conditions with that scope. Other scopes uh that I've had in the past, and like the, the Athlon Cronus BTR that was on it beforehand not so much that was a great scope for what it was and, and the purpose it served but you know low light it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst but it wasn't the best and i mean you're hard pressed to find a scope in my opinion that works as well in low light conditions as that um that minox zp5 does uh, maybe the minox whatever that the uh what is it zr i don't know what it is whatever the new minox the cheaper one is uh, I have looked at those. They are very appealing um, looking and that, that might be something that that works as well as, you know, in low light conditions. I don't know. I've never looked through one. Never even actually even seen one. Uh, moving on. Guys, I am debating and I don't know how much I want to get into this. I've been watching videos all weekend. I didn't hit the lick of a black snake other than re-zeroing the Tika yesterday because the weather was like 65 degrees and awesome but other than that i didn't do shit this weekend except watch videos on cerakoting you know it 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 started out like man i'd like to be able to cerakote my own shit just so that when i want to do something i can just do it and i don't have to send it to anybody or now i've got a cerakote guy that lives literally three miles down the road from me so i can just take it He's a Cerakote guy, but he's not like what Rick can do at GCP. He's not like uh, what Redbeard can do or not like what a lot of these uh, well-known Cerakote shops can do. He's like, hey, you need a barrel Cerakote black? I got you. Uh, and he's Cerakoted a few of them for me. But if I just wanted to, like, all right, well, I can just order some different colors and have them on hand. If I want to spray something, I can just spray it. It went from that to... Wouldn't it be a cool little side hustle? You know, but then I got into the thought of, all right, I need to get an FFL. I've thought about that in the past too, but man, that's a lot of bullshit to deal with. I would look, I would do like the rocket FFL. I would do that if I were to do it. Or I could just say, hey, I'll do non-firearm shit. Like if it's not considered a firearm, I'll do it. It And take as little or as much work as I want to do. I'd want to go somewhere. I'm not going to just start experimenting on other people's shit. It would be experimenting on my shit. And I do want to go somewhere and take a Cerakote school, Cerakote class. This is this is assuming I were to do it. I would do it right. Like, I would go about it the right way. But then I looked at well, shit, I would need to, like, basically build a shop. I would need to build a shop to have my oven in, to have a spray booth in. I could build the spray booth put the fans in uh I would need to get a blasting cabinet I would you know get a dunk tank, tank blah, blah, dunk tank to soak and degrease things like full length chassis or barreled actions stuff like that I haven't spent a single dollar in doing this yet I'm more so spending mental equity I'm 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 debating I'm learning to make a to to then make the decision whether well, if I want to go down this road or not. I don't know. I stand by. We'll figure that out. And I ain't gonna the time, but it may be something I want to do and and then be like fucking just effing send me your shit to saracote.com. I don't know. We'll see what it is. Um Okay, uh mentioned Mammoth. I want to go on record. If you were to have listened to the last episode near the end, I announced that my good friend Andy Slade he's one of the one of the best guys that i know as far as how good of a human being this motherfucker is Andy is the type that will do anything he can to help you and do it with a smile on his face and not ask for anything in return that's the type of guy Andy Slade is Not to mention, he is a hell of a rifleman, former Marine scout sniper, and a great instructor. I am personally going to be doing some one-on-one in-person training with him. But I mentioned that he is coming to Greenville. We're going to do an in-person podcast. and I don't even know when, but it's going to be within the next two weeks or so. Um, We had to wait until after Mammoth. Now, if you remember in the last episode, uh, in talking about this, I made a prediction. I said, Andy Slade and my other good friend, Ben Fleener, amazing shooter. They were teaming up for Mammoth. And I said, I'm calling my shot. Andy and Ben are going to win Mammoth. Them two teamed up. They have not shot this match together before. They normally have different partners. Them two together, I said, they will win. Now, I also know a few other competitors whom, in reality, had an equal chance of winning because they're also, I mean, you've got Dan Posey, Bryce Yerk. I know both of y'all are listening to this. You guys could have easily won uh, two separate teams. And you know, Scott Whitehead. You know, Sean Murphy was not uh, participating. He was ROing, which left the field wide open because it seems that Sean and his partner, if they're in a match, they're, they're slated to win no matter who's there. Andy and Ben came in a strong second place. And it was a tough field of shooters. I was damn close. Like... It made me look like not such an asshole because, I mean, had they sucked ass and came in like 15th or 20th, then yeah, I'd have looked like an asshole. But they came in second, which a second at Mammoth, I mean, it's an amazing feat. I ain't done Mammoth. I got no desire to get my ass kicked, like physically in Mammoth. Like, I, I don't it ain't for me. You know, I, I I get my ass kicked in jujitsu. I don't want it kicked by making the rucks and it's just not appealing to me. It's appealing to me to, to spectate and to analyze and to watch and to know it is not appealing to me to participate in. So, um, but with that said, they came in second place, and second place at Mammoth is definitely something to hang your fucking hat on. And congratulations to Andy and Ben. Both of you, you deserve it. You guys are awesome. Um, All right. I believe that covers everything that I wanted to cover and then some in this podcast, this truck cast. As always, thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned. It will be very soon uh, that Andy will be with me and recording an episode. And I mean, I could definitely see it being a three hour long podcast or longer because I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. There is some kick ass shit. That Andy has got bouncing around in his head for possibly the year 2022, maybe 2023, for anyone who wants to participate in. We're gonna recap the mammoth. We're going to talk about training and and his business. We're gonna talk about a lot of cool shit. And I'm sure you've probably heard of Andy Slade on maybe he's been on a few other podcasts. I know he was on a shooter's mindset, stuff like that. If you haven't, boy, you're in for a treat. If this is going to be your first introduction to Andy Slade, you're in for a treat. So, as always, guys, thanks for the comments, thanks for support. I haven't forgot about the giveaway. I'm still I'm letting that go. I'm going to announce the giveaway winners on the podcast with Andy. So it'll be that's what we we lead the podcast with is announcing the winners. I've I've got bunches of comments and and stuff like that from all over the world. And it's I'm I'm super boosted and pleased with the amount. Uh, a goal, a goal of mine is to make it to the top 100 podcast on the Podbean app. So make it happen. We're going to do some celebrating if that ever happens. So let's do, let's make 2022 the year that the Just and Senate podcast makes it to the top 100 podcast uh, for Podbean. So that'll only be good for everybody involved. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and we'll catch you on the next episode.